0: that you had so many times and you're like, "Damn, we should do this thing, just go and do it. Try to make an MVP or just try the smallest iteration, not Web3 related at all, just anything. Just yeah. just try it, you, know? you won't regret it. It doesn't matter what other people think. It really doesn't matter in the end.
1: You're plugging in to the Digital Assets podcast.
2: Okay, so uh, today we will have Vincent Ekström here in our podcast. It's a true honor. We have been looking forward to this uh, for a long time and uh, he's actually a master student at SSC and is also the founder of NORN, which we will delve into deeper. So uh, welcome, Vincent. it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks, Victor. Thanks, Alex. Really good to be here. It's yeah. been a
0: long time coming
2: yeah Long time coming. <laughs> and a lot of informal discussions but now it's maybe more kind of uh, professional if you will but still still yeah. friendly i course. have my suit on tie on for yeah <laughs> there, so you can imagine <laughs> exactly so let's just start off very basic and classical just so for listeners to get to know you and it's also good kind of uh, exposure for you so kind of what, what is your personal background because we have a have had a lot of guests that come from kind of traditional finance now you haven't maybe worked so much in the field but you have some experience and you're also doing finance masters at SCC. Uh, so like what brought you into this space and uh, what brought you to found norn and and then kind of how has that developed over time
0: yeah that's a really good question and a, a multi-part question i guess yeah. i start off by giving some of my personal background so i'm originally from helsinki finland and uh, i studied bachelor's uh, in my bachelor's i studied uh, finance as you said and uh, from a young age i've been interested in uh, investing and trading thanks to my dad who's always been very interested in stocks as well so so i got into that uh, basically, as soon as I turned eighteen, and and I went to business school, and I decided to major in finance because basically after the first year, that was kind of the 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 only major that appealed to me. Not obviously. marketing. <laughs> no, unfortunately, not. <laughs> I think, um, yeah. So I uh, so I majored in in finance, and uh, then of course after that, it was time to get a career in finance and. Mm. When I started looking into what that looks like, um, it became maybe a bit less appealing, mm. and uh, I I went to I went to China on my exchange, and I quite randomly got a job there in supply chain consulting. So I decided to stay in China instead and, and work on that and try to actually launch an e-commerce business instead of of going into finance. Mm. Um, well, that failed, <laughs> and uh, and then I moved I moved away from China, moved to London to actually start working with with finance for a startup private equity fund at the time, and it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of dynamic stuff. You know, there were no real processes in place, and the founders were maybe not the most experienced private equity people either. No offense, guys, if you're listening, uh, it's not it's not meant in an offensive way either. But so anyway, it was chaos basically. <laughs> And after that, uh, I decided to go back to Finland, back to the roots and work in management consulting as one does. And uh, after a while, I figured, OK, you know, I, I knew I wanted to found something I had I had been in crypto for a while and, you know, from a trading perspective, mostly. And I thought, OK, let's let's apply to to Stockholm School of Economics for a master's degree to just buy some more time to kind of figure out what actually to do and uh well that's what led me here at stockholm at SEC i um or stockholm school of economics i attended a uh, presentation from the SEC business lab and there was uh they had a panel of speakers of entrepreneurs and one of those guys was
2: uh vahid tosi who maybe you've had him on the podcast as well yeah uh, at least on our events uh not a podcast yeah
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, what he talked about really resonated with me. And so I decided that I have to get to know this guy a bit better and and see if we can do something together. And that's when he kind of looped me into the idea of founding what now is Norn. At the time, it was only NFT.SC. And yeah, that's why that's and here we are, you know, that's kind of the background story. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can feel free to ask more detailed questions. You know, it's a, it's a long yeah. one.
1: Could you uh, maybe then, in regards to Norn, describe the essence of Norn, i.e. like the business idea model and the ultimate vision that you guys have
0: for Norn? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, There's very specific business models. Um, I can't fully disclose yet. There's been a lot of pivots. Uh, but but to, to summarize it, to summarize the vision, we want to be the bridge between Web3 and everything else. Mm. Mm. Um, we want to provide, we want to lower the threshold for creators and consumers, even though I don't like the word consumers too much, but people in general to interact with Web3 technologies, um, because we believe that fundamentally the technologies will do good for society and for all of us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of debates on that topic, but, (laughs) but, but, but that's what we believe and that's what the vision we're driving. And we see that a lot of the technologies and existing solutions out there are great in the base layer, but the UX, the front end side, the usability um, and the use cases are kind of lacking.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 key, right? That's what we all within the space talk about when we are kind of in a cliche way, talk about kind of the mass adoption and so forth, like what is really needed here. And uh, I guess then to kind of summarize your own words that you think that um, these with the U- UI and, and these kind of, you, these kind of. Aspects for like enabling consumers or people, if you will, to to actually start use, using these services that are really good on a base level, uh, in a, into a like, kind of more massive scale, is is key here. And um, so, so I, I guess like that's what you're focusing on the most uh, at North, right? How can you make it as easy as possible? So like even my grandmother will will start a, a wallet and then start interacting with this, with services out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and to give a bit more insight into the actual business, I mean, it, it's not that secretive. It's, <laughs> right now, it's split up into two parts. So we're, we're doing quite a bit of consultancy work. We're helping creators, artists, and companies implement the technology and build stuff with it. And we're also building a portfolio for of products of our own. But there will be some announcements on those products uh, mm. later on this year, I think.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And uh, I guess you mentioned that you guys have pivoted a little now over time so how has the idea and implementation of norna developed uh since you guys
2: like what what was like the first kind of crazy idea and, and how has in how has it kind of been changed into something more realistic maybe
0: yeah that's a really good question you know i think it's such a process of trying things with mm-hmm. a hypothesis and then realizing, oh, maybe that doesn't really work. And then you go back to the drawing board and bring some new hypothesis. And I, I think one mistake that we made throughout that journey, why it took so long, uh, is uh, the, or yeah, what one mistake we made is that we didn't talk to users enough. Like we we talked to a lot of users and potential customers, but we should have really talked and interviewed way more users earlier. To really understand and be able to pivot faster, but I think you know that the the original vision in broad strokes is still the same it's still to Mm -hmm. onboard the world and to bring these technologies to life and bring users to them, but I think it's more about the strategy or the action plan that 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 part has changed quite a bit
2: yeah, uh, and I'm curious because and I think a lot of listeners that are kind of more entrepreneurial in in their kind of nature are very curious because yeah. you actually applied through business lab, right and you you are in business lab right now. Uh, so yeah. I'm curious like how was the the process to apply like for for kind of uh, pitching for the admission board and like how what kind of reactions because you did it in in a kind of, Bullish stage, I think. Uh, yeah. but but still, like, how was the reaction? Did they really grasp the concept, or uh, or, or was it like could it capitalize on the on the current wave, or how, how was it to kind of talk to this kind of more maybe conservative? If I'm using my prejudices here, here,
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think. Um, it was, as you said, on the ve- in the very end of the bull market or or for, for crypto, I think bull market has already ended, but nfts were still quite mm. quite hot. and that's one detail I forgot to mention. We work mostly with nfts. Mm. So we don't really tr- like touch uh, blockchains in that sense or 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 cryptocurrencies. We're mostly on non-fungible tokens and smart mm. contracts. Um, but but anyway, um, it was in the very end of the bull run, and I think there, there were still like NFT and crypto startups popping up left and right. People were raising like eight figure, like $10 million rounds uh, with basically just a pitch deck and, yeah. and nothing else. And it was not so. I think there was a lot of skepticism in that application process, but also an understanding of the fact that this is not really going to go away. As maybe people thought in 2017-18 when the bull run ended people were like ah we were right it was nothing uh, but but now there it was it had kind of fundamentally shifted it was like okay this is something but what's the what's the useful stuff and what's not smoke and mirrors mm.
1: mm-hmm. yeah i i i can see that now uh, as well I, I feel like and i'm curious if if you would agree that um to a certain extent the increase in institutional involvement and capital as well of course into the web3 space has kind of acted as a signal towards uh the rest of uh potential customers and uh, potential investors that this is something that will play a role in the future and has the potential to be huge
0: yeah i i definitely agree with that mm-hmm. i mean it's exactly, it's a signal, as you said. It's kind of a validation of like, okay, other smart smart people are investing in this. Maybe there's something there.
2: Mm, yeah. Mm. And I think maybe you also have an advantage then, given that we are not in a bull market anymore, that you actually are focusing on NFTs. Like, on the one hand, you, you may say, oh, no, that's even worse because look at the floor prices, right? But on the other hand, you're actually talking with kind of real artists that are kind of based in this physical world, not in the kind of Metaverse world. And you're trying to onboard those people. And, and I think that's the, the strength maybe of your business right now, that these like these artists, they are still continuing to make art uh, and NFT is just a way for them to kind of capitalize a little further. So, uh, so maybe that's something that makes your customers demand be more stable, despite uh, it's not being a bull market anymore. Is that kind of a correct interpretation?
0: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, yeah, I would say so. As we often say in quotation marks, that yeah. like now only the real ones are left. But, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> the rest are but, but ex- extinct. Exactly. But, it, but it's definitely something I agree with. And uh, I think what we're seeing, what, what's interesting is I, for example, I took uh, some time to analyze every single major global brand that has interacted with NFTs so or created mm. an NFT collection. And when you look at that data, um, you can actually see that there's still quite a bit of, of uh, global, like big brands uh, coming out with NFT collections. And that has not been slowing down as much as the as market volume in, in US dollars. Mm. And there's another point, actually, when you look at, at market volume in general, throughout 2022 and, and uh, January 23, uh, you can see that the US dollar value has has went down a lot, but the number of transactions is actually quite stable. So I think that also indicates that, I don't know if it's maybe exactly the right way to put it, but that NFTs have found kind of a product market fit or are finding a sustainable mm-hmm. product market fit
1: mm. yeah, in yeah. the world. and. Uh as we've already uh gone into a bit is N- Norn works with uh, web3 and that's a key component within their vision so I'm, I'm curious how would you describe or define web3 and where what role does nfts play within this
0: that's a really good question you know i think i would define i mean you probably had bunch of people on on here talking about like read write own and that whole whole thing i usually call Web three the internet of value (laughs) but but Mm. i don't i don't know if there's a value increase but there's a a redistribution of value Mm. and it's in my opinion a more democratized version Mm. of the internet um Mm -hmm. and nfts basically as a technology enable real digital ownership of unique assets mm. and most things we create online are unique well for example a piece of text is in a sense you could write the same text as someone else but you know my blog posts are still my unique thoughts well now it's chat GPT maybe not even <laughs> So, so just but just to take a simple example like it's it's just a technological standard that enables digital ownership of unique assets of, yeah. of you know yeah your, and uh, entity
2: yeah and, and I'm curious like if we break it down to an even more kind of uh, practical level, so let's say that I'm I'm an artist and uh, I have you and Vahid knocking on my door when I'm sitting there <laughs> creating my art and you're going to pitch this for me and try to kind of begin with the first step to this onboarding process. I'm curious, like, how would you approach it, or how do you approach those situations? Like, what's the first thing you start with? And also kind of what is the first practical kind of advice or kind of um yeah kind of suggestions you give to to an artist that is successful but but is struggling in some sense to get this kind of um to, to, who probably wants more exposure and want to scale or want to capitalize on this on this technology
0: yeah yeah that's a that's a great question and and i would start by saying that mostly we are only in talks with artists that already are interested in Mm-hmm. the technology so we don't we don't really try to convince people you know I, I personally had had a long phase where i was trying to convince people that this is a good <laughs> idea but then you know I, I i gave that up because it's mentally taxing and mm-hmm. uh, and it's hard it's also hard to to do and the way we approach it is okay we define we together with the artist for example then we will define What's an nft? okay it's a technological standard that enables ownership. What makes an nft valuable? okay I could make an nft out of um, well this glass your listeners can't hear yeah. it but I'm holding a glass <laughs> yeah would that make it any would that bring any value to it? no, it really wouldn't but what you can do is you can create experiences you can you can create functionality in the tokens. So we could make an NFT out of this podcast, for example, mm. and we, we could create 500 NFTs and, and token gate this podcast. So okay, you have to own this Vincent Norn NFT to listen to this specific podcast or Norn X Digital Asset Society.
1: Mm.
0: OK, then what? You can okay, You can listen to the podcast. That's cool. You can unlock it. But what's really cool is that as a business or organization or creator, you now have a list of people that you can communicate with on an ongoing basis. And that Mm. list might change. Someone else might buy the token instead. You might trade it, but you you still have the address both to the original holder Mm -hmm. and to the new one. So in maybe lamer words, it's kind of a CRM, actually. It's a communication channel. Mm -hmm. And that's the value for creators and artists, in my opinion, is that It's not only taking a picture of a painting that exists in real in the real world and making an nft out of it but it's creating new experiences for the people that like what you do Mm -hmm. and people that want to engage with you and do so in a smart way instead of just having an instagram live you can build something completely different
1: especially in uh, today's world with the internet where with the internet we've seen the rise of thousands of different subcultures, both in relation to specific artists, but also just a general culture in terms of inside jokes, memes, etc. And yeah, I think it has worked well where people there have been communities built upon this, but I think NFTs takes it to another level in terms of community building, which is a huge value add for people such as creators or, or artists. I think that's yeah. something that people maybe have missed out on primarily is that it's not simply a JPEG. Uh, it creates yeah. external utility
2: outside of the asset ins- itself. So it only it, it becomes so much more than just the price of that specific NFT. It's more of kind of the utility it is providing me with uh, because there are people within this community which I find kind of appealing to to get to know because we share the same values. and a lot of people are kind of crypto enthusiasts and uh, they are entrepreneurs so there is kind of some you know explicit but also implicit values in this community which for me is more important than the price but then of course i think as a consequence of this strong community the price will appreciate accordingly but i think that's for me kind of the closest real world example for how nfts enable this community feeling and not only it's not only about a like making something physical digital you know
0: yeah yeah exactly and you know we're really just in the in the very beginning of that whole journey if you look at communities now and how they organize themselves it mostly happens through apps like discord right yeah and you know it's that's crazy that it's still so prevalent So I think over the coming years, we're going to see an amazing, like an insane amount of new applications and forums where people will organize themselves in these communities.
1: Well, in in regards to that, then, in terms of the development of these communities in general and Web3 in general uh, over the coming years, I guess, to start off that. How has you how how have you seen web three uh, change and develop since you guys started, and what aspects have not changed? and how do you see these trends moving forward into the future?
0: That's a really good question. It's so hard it's a it's a good question because when you are so immersed with this stuff on a daily basis, it kind of becomes hard to see the change in the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and we've of course had the fortune to start this business in like the very beginning of the of a bear market. So it's it's been a full bear market business. But when I think about um thinking back to almost one year ago when we started the business, I would say that tools are still advancing in an insane pace like one year ago no code nft tools for example it's one example like tools that help people create nfts without knowing how to code um were almost non existent like there were some startups working on it and definitely closed funding rounds and some mvps out there now you can quite easily find tools for that use case although they're still not very user friendly and you if you want to create significant project you'll probably need help or need to know how to code anyway but there's still like a wide selection of tools that are in development so i think it's really positively surprising to see how fast things are still evolving despite a really bad economic environment and you know i was Mm. i traded a bit of crypto in the 2017-18 bull market But I really wasn't looking into the tech nearly enough. So I can't say like how the the period between 2018 and 2020, what happened during that time. But then, of course, we had the emergence of DeFi through smart contracts. And after that, it feels like it's been just full speed, full steam ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's been changing so rapidly and evolving.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's kind of the fundamental changes during the year have not been so big as you may think. Rather, it's been more characterized by by not, non-fundamental changes <laughs> like these crashes and the different kind of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Uh, but yeah, essentially, I think it's you know, despite the crashes, it's a way more mature market now than in the 20 2017
0: and 18. yeah absolutely absolutely
2: but you you you
1: mentioned there for a second in regards to user friendliness Mm. and uh, how uh nft no code tooling if uh, maybe i said it wrong uh Mm. has been a key development or an example of development within the past year that you guys have been operating but user friendliness is still a key issue. Uh, how important is user friendliness in your guys's work with different uh, NFT projects, for example? Is that a key question that consistently arises, and is it something that is solvable, or do we simply lack the technological development for making the user experience as friendly as possible for now?
0: Yeah. That's that's another good question. I think to answer your first question there, how key is it? I think it's really key. Like when we started this business, we were kind of trying to, as I said earlier, we trying to like onboard everyone and uh and trying to, to educate people to use it. And we did a lot of user interviews and found that basically <laughs> the technology is just so um. Um, unfriendly towards users. That <laughs> yeah. that that a mass onboarding is not gonna ha- or like a mass real onboarding where pe- where people would have self custody over all their assets is not gonna mm. happen with the nope. current UX journeys. Um, and s- during the bear market, we've also pivoted more towards working with Web three native people and businesses, so that you don't have to. Concede, always consider the onboarding aspect of things. But that being said, I think that um, we will see developments in, in combination with other types of technologies where we will be able to get closer to um, onboarding people and also giving them self-custody of their assets. But I'm not entirely sure of, of how that will happen. Happen, but um, I think, you know, I guess onboarding people with existing Web2 solutions such as, you know, email and social logins is maybe a step in the right direction. But Mm. then we just need to, that might, there's also a risk that that's just kind of pushing the problem into the future because at some point, ideally people should take control of their own assets. And that step is still missing, but I'm I'm yeah. confident we'll get there. I'm confident that yeah, at this pace of development,
2: are you? Uh, do you have uh, full custody, self custody right now? Yeah, yeah. No, I
0: ha- yeah. yeah. I had so I had quite a lot of exposure to to FTX, <laughs> so after that, I've been very stringent on being yeah having yeah. self custody over my my assets.
1: I think a lot of people uh, had the similar lessons yeah, that have been learned. learned. But I, I'm <laughs> yeah. actually curious, uh, I mean, in terms of the user friendliness, I think it's uh, in the forefront of the issues that most of the Web3 community agree with. And I, I can imagine that there's a lot of work being done to move towards that. But you guys have worked a lot with interviewing potential users and customers and etc. And I'm curious what other types of insights you've gained from that, that maybe traditionally wouldn't be expected, maybe, or maybe it's obvious, but it's not as commonly talked about.
0: Yeah. I think the biggest insight I've gained is, I don't don't know if you could call it an insight, but based on all the interviews and interactions and projects we've done, I would say one of the key takeaways is that crypto jargon and terminology such as nfts and blockchains and smart contracts and erc standards and such is going to fade into irrelevance over the coming years and it's going to like become the bottom layer for engineers as it should be because mm-hmm. well one is people don't care about it and second is um that it's not really that useful either. <laughs> because, because people, it's useful for us who are curious and want to learn, but most people don't want to change their behavior. So trying to force all this new vocabulary and terminology and these conceptual models down people's throats is not gonna help them move in the right direction. Rather mm-hmm. probably the, the other way around.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah so that, that's
0: been my kit. and I, I think we're already seeing this right now for example with spotify launching their token gated playlists uh, i think this week or a few days ago they are they don't mention the term nft almost anywhere they're yeah. talking about i think token gated experiences and playlists and and uh, yeah you saw the same thing with uh, reddit launching their avatar marketplace they don't mention nfts anywhere unless maybe in some like terms and conditions places and so on but it's not advertised as an nft marketplace yeah
2: yeah i think that's that's key actually and i think there are similarities across the whole space like uh for me very interested in bitcoin specifically it's like almost the same as in principle uh with like these guys that are these evangelists trying to educate advocate for bitcoin Sometimes it works, but like in the long run, those who actually are, it's rather that it works to convince those who are interested uh, or already convinced to convince them even more. But it's kind of rare that it works for those who are not in the space at all. Most people, in my experience, rather that get kind of scared and like it feels like a scam or it feels too abstract store of value based on what, you know, look at the volatility and it's you know, rather what should be done, I think, is more focus on the tech solutions, uh, focusing on building the uh, lighting network yeah, that you that these guys think gonna take over the world, like really building that, and then when you actually have the solution, it works and it's more adopted. Then it's more like, yeah, you you want to pay fast and secure or not, you know? Then <laughs> instead of trying to, you know, build this kind of narratives and this storytelling, uh, yeah. so so I think it's uh, quite similar.
1: Uh, that, yeah, that was a very, that's a very interesting insight. Actually, I never thought about it in that way, but um, yeah, I I like that, definitely do. Yeah. I guess, I guess that kind of pairs uh, together with uh, the the what. what what we were going to ask you about what you believe in terms of the key drivers for the future growth and adoption
2: of web3 yeah because yeah. So some some we we took a person from or michael writing the DeFi report which I recommends mm. all free marketing again <laughs> but uh like he talked about like some key factors we have mentioned the user interface but there are also other factors such as privacy like he's talking about like institutions they don't kind of they they don't want it all to be transparent um all the transactions uh and but that was more connected to defi uh but also regulations of course the reg- regulatory framework needs to be clear before mm-hmm. like institutions will adopt but in this yeah. question in this case i guess one key difference just to to be very clear is that while the defi space needs to take off through institutional adoption that may not necessarily be the case here because it's very retail focused uh, when it comes to the nft space so yeah. uh, there is a big difference but either way like are there some more key kind of catalysts or drivers that you see for future adoption when it comes to nft specifically
0: yeah i i um, i don't know if i would maybe call it a key driver but when we, talk, when we um, are in talks with different companies or influencers or stakeholders about mm. building projects using NFT-based technology, um, we always try to build, we, we actually try to build products that provide some sort of value. Mm. So I think it's more about finding, finding the, different use cases for smart contracts and nfts that can provide a new form of value or or something that existing solutions really can't provide and then you know that and that's like so much easier said than done (laughs) but but i think we are like on the tipping point of reaching that inflection point on on the curve like adoption curve where we are about mm-hmm. to run like crazy because so much more capital and innovation is going to come into the space that these products are going to be coming out left and right within a few years and i think during that period you know it will become way clearer where these different solutions actually fit in mm-hmm. um
2: Yeah, you know, I think
0: many of us in the space, we dream about kind of a utopian uh, outcome where we would have like our identity, like our passports will be NFTs and we'll have like a whole digital identity that is tokenized. I hope that happens, but, but it might not, it might also remain um, some form of new, like, you know, it enables like token gated experiences, which kind of enables a new form for people to work and share their gifts, so to speak. If you you know what I'm saying, I'm talking a bit flummit here. (laughs) How do you say that in English? Um, I'm uh, I'm, uh, being a bit unclear, but what I mean is to say that the technology, smart contracts, token gating in general, can enable people to share kind of... uh, their their gifts, and by gifts, I mean knowledge, skills, talent in new ways and monetize it in new ways and productize it in new ways. I think that's actually a better word than monetize and where kind of technological development is going as a whole right now, where we're going to become more and more obsolete. thanks to great technological advancements, I think this is also a key aspect to consider because people are suddenly gonna be sitting on way more free time. Like I I, I can already notice that I'm like 10xing my own content creation due to certain AI tools and they are (laughs) also like in the very beginning of existence. Like Mm -hmm. imagine how it's gonna be in five years time at this pace.
2: Yeah.
0: Then we're gonna need to figure out like, okay, Okay, I like comedy, you know, I'm good at that. So how how can I kind of make a living doing stand-up comedy instead, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And potentially token gating. Maybe I'll have a niche audience somewhere in Southeast Asia, who knows? So then maybe Mm. I can't go there to do live shows every week, but I will create immersive token gated experiences for my global audience and Mm. use NFTs instead of, you know, charging on PayPal or Patreon or whatever
2: yeah yeah that's a great perspective but I'm curious also when it comes to because I think it's a double-edged sword when it comes to kind of the target group or kind of the the um where the your your community like is uh will in the most cases or preferably be based it's kind of a you know on the one hand nfts like there are providing a global opportunity to, as you said, you you may have a kind of a group of people following you from Southeast Asia. Mm. But on the other hand, I also like the perspective which Vahid probably, yeah, probably he knows this best of all of us, but like he talked about it during the Binance event that NFTs would really like grow and the mass adoption record through the localization uh, of NFTs. Could you maybe expand a little bit on that and also um, kind of highlight your view here in terms of if it's like, if it's adoption through the global use case or the local use case?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's like, it's funny. We have uh, debates on that every now and (laughs) then, but but I also believe, of course, in the long run, that localization kind of will drive NFT utility because... I mean, yeah, so something often becomes relevant when it's local or Mm -hmm. within reach. And well, I could take Soho House for an example, like Soho House. uh, You know, when it was when it was based in, you know, New York, London, wherever, but not in Stockholm, it wasn't relevant to me. But now that it's in Stockholm, it's suddenly relevant. Mm Uh, just as a basic example. So I, I can I definitely buy into the thesis of localization, but I think more so that we're gonna see that happen over maybe a bit of a longer time frame. But it's also up to our imagination. Like mm-hmm. so, like smart contracts and NFTs create so many new opportunities to build fun products. the technological world so if we can apply that to localization me and vahid for example have this running joke that and concept of uh, a cafe called steakhouse where you actually stake nfts and tokens as a as as a membership and then uh, we, you would yield farm with those tokens and NFTs to generate return on the assets. But as a customer, you'll get like a subscription for amount of tokens you stake. So you'll get, you know, one coffee per day or Fika per day or, you know, <laughs> lunch every day or whatever. But on the back end, we're actually taking those tokens and yield farming with them to generate profits for the restaurants to run the steakhouse. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you would write steak as in not the meat, but the steak yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. as a kind of a joke. You know, so I definitely can see those types of businesses popping up left and right. But then that would demand people actually using the technology as well, and we're just not there yet in terms of UX, which is why I'm I think it's gonna take a bit longer for those super local steakhouses to start yeah. popping up. And I'm more so prone to like the the global advantage short term.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and I feel like we we we've already started to see that trend of global adoption rather than localization because localization in itself requires the community members in your local area to also be involved in this space and yeah. have that understanding and we're simply not there yet and it requires mass adoption before that typically is possible unless you are in some uh very niched area that's in love with uh th- this this type of technology yeah. i guess yeah um but i guess to to move forward a bit you did mention previously maybe technically backwards but you did mention previously that you guys started uh, the business in a bear market mm. uh, approximately a year ago or end of the bull market it depends how you see it yeah <laughs> of course and i i'm curious to see how you as a business owner have navigated this bear market um, and then also maybe your view on the survival and future development of different digital assets but let, let's start off with you as a business owner yeah. dedicated to this space how have you navigated this bear market
0: yeah it's definitely been tough um i would say mentally very taxing compared to a bull market because then you <laughs> yeah. know have full momentum and everyone's like yeah wow cheering you on and now it's like you know you get questioned left and right and kind of question yourself as well from time to time so mentally for me personally it's been it's been quite taxing i have to admit but on the other hand you know it's also about i think we've been able to well pivot and implement kind of start up a, a whole consulting business quite quickly just because you know we've been we we were able to identify a revenue stream there that will keep us afloat during this bear market and allow us to grow during this bear market and yeah we were able to quite quickly kind of spot that opportunity and jump on it and then build from there mm-hmm. uh, so I think It's definitely challenged me to be more critical and also be more um, in touch with what's going on. When it's a bull market, you tend to be a bit, uh, you can get a bit too euphoric and be a bit of, uh, you know, in an echo bubble. Yeah, Yeah, up up in the skies. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, I'm just going to raise a $10 million seed run and then I'll hire (laughs) more engineers and solve it. Mm-hmm. But now it's more like, okay, I have to think really clearly and actually identify real problems to solve mm. before racing an eight-figure seed round. Yeah. But I also see it as an advantage to be building right now. When I look at the competitive landscape, there are really few people doing the same stuff. So if we make the right moves, I believe we can like take over a whole market quite cheap versus in Mm -hmm. the bull market, we're going to have to pay like 100x more in efforts to take over that market.
1: Yeah, so you position yourself uh, in preparation for the next swing of momentum, I guess you could say. I think there is something to that in terms of resource constraints and innovation. I, I believe there's been a couple of studies that have shown that when a startup or uh, an entrepreneur is constrained in the resources that he has available it leads to greater improvisation and uh I guess moving on your feet pivoting quickly uh, and finding the, a solution yeah
2: scarcity creates uh creates that pressure yeah
1: uh, do you think that that can reflect as well in regards to the innovation in the general market as well where we will see now the real use cases uh, or more more believable and more realistic use cases coming to fruition as now the blindness of a bull market is away. So people have to focus on what actually matters. What actually matters.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that good entrepreneurs will definitely be fueled by the environment rather than slowed down. But that being said, I I just want to point out that I think, you know, it's a general challenge for human beings, including myself, differentiating from the general scarcity in the market and for your startup and then your own personal mindset, because I truly believe that when you are coming from a mental mind frame of abundance, you already Mm -hmm. know that you have everything you need then you can create and really dream and think big. But when you're coming from a scarcity mindset and you're kind of chasing that next paycheck and kind of unsure of your existence, you can't really dream and fully focus mm. on your customer and your investors and so on. Mm. So, so differentiating with, be, between those two is really tough and also critical for a good entrepreneur in a market like this where there is no abundance. You
2: know? Yeah, yeah, and, and
0: that's something I've been practicing and trying to get better at a lot.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, that's a really like I have a saying for myself, which is like, have an abundant mindset, uh, but per- pursue scarcity. Uh, yeah. So, like uh, having the abundant mindset, meaning like you you believe in yourself and that you can create and achieve whatever you want, essentially, but uh, not also pursuing abundance because then you're pursuing what the horde is pursuing, and you won't mm-hmm. find your competitive edge, whatever if it's your in career or other aspects of life. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's an interesting perspective, actually. And uh, scarcity will not itself only be beneficial, uh, but it's definitely if you're in this situation, like this, if the scarcity creates mm-hmm. a more concentrated focus and you actually find more kind of complex problems to solve, then your competitive edge will probably like at the end of the day be like the value of the company will be based on the problems you solve, right? Like uh, as Jacob uh, De Geer said in his uh, summer speak, I will always like remember that quote. I think it's like especially true right now. Uh, it's yeah. like, you should not pursue the easy way in this case although it's it's attempting
1: yeah uh, i like that and i guess now to move into your view on the survival of and the future development of course of the different digital assets present in the market i mean mm-hmm. you can think of different DeFi projects nft projects for example the nft marketplaces right now uh, how yeah. do you see their survival and future development will it mirror that of 2018 where now a lot of the biggest projects then disappeared yeah and
2: let's maybe start with the kind of nft space so then we can move to the yeah. crypto space more so like if you look at like the maybe you can mention some blue chips projects but more I think more interesting look into the, like the different categories of NFTs so like collectibles uh pure art uh gaming and so forth the uh, DeFi uh so like what what what's your view on this uh on the potential survival of these uh kind of categories and yeah yeah uh
0: that's that's a good question and and uh I think I think most of the categories are going to be okay. I think Mm -hmm. maybe the art category is going to take a bit of a hit, especially with the recent developments in removal of uh, royalty fees from all Mm -hmm. the main marketplaces. Mm, I think, of course, that makes it instantly less attractive to make NFT art Mm
2: -hmm. or
0: make and or create like make your art into NFTs. Um, Then there are just a bunch of like, I've always been of the opinion that 90% of NFT projects are going to zero or 99% even, even though I'm a strong believer in the space and the technology, you know, it's, it's so painfully obvious that most projects are a cash grab and that they don't really have a clear idea for, for what they're going to do, but there was just such a huge opportunity to raise millions of dollars based on a vision that's you know a quite generic vision like okay we're gonna have this we're gonna have community meetups and we're gonna have merch t- t-shirts <laughs> with these pictures and then we're gonna build a game and have a metaverse in the sandbox and then it's like okay then what <laughs> and of course some companies that have succeeded with this really well companies like yoga labs Have done it extremely well. And uh, the Pudgy Penguins, I think, is another example where you can kind of see that their whole strategy is okay, they have this IP of these cute Pudgy Penguins that are NFTs. And they are kind of trying to bridge that IP into the real world and build physical products around those penguins. I think that's a good strategy. But that goes for any brand. This is just a new type of ownership of that brand, which is Mm -hmm. super cool. And the Yuga Labs, yeah, that's also another great example. Although undeniably there are some ponsonomics factors in their whole success, (laughs) they've still been able to pull it off like so well. Um, Yeah. And wait, what was the original question? Now I was ranting and then Caroline brought me some carrot cake and stuff, so I got (laughs) confused. (laughs) Yeah, cake is uh,
2: no, but originally we talked about like uh, your view on the categories of kind of NFT categories, but those right. would be fine. Uh, essentially, art would maybe take a more hit right now due to a decrease in royalties. But in general, that specific project will, will, you know, decrease the value, yeah. most of them, but and the this... categories will kind of remain.
1: And there's been an issue where a lot of projects have been a cash grab. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think, you know, one category that maybe is a bit unclear is like the PFP, like what we discussed, board API Club, uh, mm-hmm. Ping was the profile picture category. But then again, it also seems like still when you scroll Twitter and look at like the crypto Twitter areas of Twitter specifically, you can still mm-hmm. see so many people representing a specific Profile picture, and it kind of feels like a concept that is here to stay. Maybe they're not gonna be, they're not gonna be as well as ugly in the future. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, it there seems to be something about the concept of kind of signaling yeah. that you're part of a certain group
2: mm-hmm. on
0: social media, and what better way to do it than by mm-hmm. actually yeah. owning the JPEG. And people people enjoy for for lack of a better word,
1: flexing. People <laughs> yes, enjoy having yes. Rolexes and nice cars and branded clothes. And there hasn't been an opportunity to do the same digitally, really, apart from maybe posting your Ferrari on Instagram or something like that. And I think yeah. a profile picture um is a huge component of a person's identity, yeah,
2: especially when you really own it. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, so be Having these verifiable profile pictures that are NFTs is definitely a future market. Yeah, and we'll see, of course, how it develops over time. If there's going to be a maybe Ferrari or Rolex releases their own NFT collection for profile pictures, but yeah. I think there is definitely potential within that.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. like in general, like the kind of um, the main question you need to ask yourself is, whatever we want and what people like, no matter how rational or not it is. But whatever people like in the physical world, if you accept the premise that we will become, you know, live more and more, so to say, in the digital world, then it makes sense that the same kind of services, the same kind of needs will be exhibited in one way or another to really simplify it. I think that's, for me, makes a lot of sense. So although it may some of these things we're talking about may sound absurd, or mm. seem absurd like this kind of prof- uh, born a yacht club for instance it is actually not so unfamiliar to the actual reality <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I'm, yeah i'm curious because uh, you went into a little bit about the digital world yeah uh, what, what are your thoughts on the metaverse and maybe can you give a brief description of what uh, you define it as because i think definitions of that kind of uh, vary a little bit
0: yeah i i think for me the metaverse is uh, just an aggregation of like the set of technologies that we have right now like I to be honest think we are in the metaverse in this zoom call that's mm-hmm. my definition yep. of it but then to add on top of that I think that the future of a more developed metaverse is completely uninteresting without nft technology and blockchain technology yeah, because definitely. You know, I don't want to be a slave in bit space forever. <laughs> I actually want to own my, my stuff in the metaverse, yeah. Yeah. But, but that's what it means to me. And I think I agree with your thesis of that. We're going to be living in an increasingly digitized, digitalized world. So. Yeah, exactly. When you accept that premise, then...
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And let's just... I know the theme is NFTs and like that's your mm-hmm. kind of what you're focused on the most but we're still curious you know we we love digital assets on all spe- spectrums and uh you know we love talking about ethereum and Bitcoin and those kind of rivals uh in a space and criticize some coins and embrace others. so without any investment advice but what what are, what is your view on kind of the cryptocurrencies so to say although I really uh, do not like that that term yeah because <laughs> most are not currencies mm. they are very few trying to be money but uh <laughs> either way like how do you how do you look at that space like uh, do you do you believe that okay first first the coins would say but also may, maybe more interesting do you believe in a multi-chain future or do you think that for instance like essentially everything will be built upon ethereum
0: mm.
2: oh broad question i think <laughs> starting from the coins or
0: tokens or currencies i think uh, we have another phenomenon there of easy cash grabs and easy ways to raise capital which has resulted in an abundance of different coins that will go to zero and um, it's a bit unclear to me still like i'm sure someone with a more technical background could answer this way better But at what point a project building on a blockchain would actually need its own utility token or governance token? And at what point using an existing token would suffice? Do we actually need to mint new tokens for every project? You know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So in most cases, I think it's just uh, the case of a cash grab or i don't know maybe we don't want to call it a cash grab but just a capital race that will probably not end up the way it's supposed to Mm. Um, and then in regards to a multi-chain future i'm i I, i'm quite sure we will have a multi-chain future i mean it's going to be really interesting to see over the coming years how um how the ethereum ecosystem is going to develop i'm myself i'm very bullish on ethereum so i i think whatever future we live in ethereum is going to be a part of it but um also it doesn't it's not entirely clear to me i i I, i'm not sure if building if it's going to be like in 10 years where like on the layer 17 roll up or something and if that's going to be sustainable either or smart so but then again i'm not i'm not technical expert in the space yeah. so 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 uh, i mean I'm, it's i'm not the most qualified to answer that question yeah. i think yeah
1: I mean, it's very, very tricky to be able to predict these types of things. Yeah. You know, you, you, you we kinda... just have to ask you, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. Of it's course. like asking. It's like as if we were in the 2000s and we were asking you about the future of the internet. How yeah. would that look in the future? Yeah. And it's very hard to predict. You know, you never know. um yeah. So yeah, but uh I think we'll start closing uh, this off. I guess mm-hmm. first of all, we would like to ask you for. Uh, Recommendations, or if you could provide any recommendations for students interested in learning more about the space, or maybe even looking to start a career within this. What are your recommendations to them?
0: Yeah, that's that's another good question. I think you know, of course, go read about NFTs on nft.se but but in all seriousness, I think interact with different protocols and just try it out. you know i think that's what we talked about in the beginning when we do workshops for different companies we always have them actually get wallets and interact with different mm-hmm. dapps and so on because that's where you need to start and that's where you kind of need to figure out what you would like to drive within the industry and i think it's a fact that the industry in general will need people from all different walks of life you know, you're going to need hr people designers finance people artists, you know, everyone's needed in the space. So there is a place. Um, So interact with the different apps and protocols, connect with others. I think one thing that I like a lot about the space is that most people are very open to connecting and talking about stuff, even though you could be perceived to be on completely different levels. Mm. Uh, people will usually answer well maybe not in most cases but many cases answer a DM or you know if it's someone from your local city people will probably get a coffee or you know Mm -hmm. go for a drink or whatever to discuss so just reach out if you're interested and don't hesitate to explore I think it's going to be one of the most exciting industries to be a part of even over the coming 5-10 to years
2: and we agree with you with that yeah do you have any more kind of specific books uh, podcasts or similar sources that you would like to kind of highlight and emphasize apart from no one of course which we will uh, definitely link in the description
0: yeah thanks uh, i think uh, when it comes to podcasts i'm not too good with advising like for beginners and stuff but but of course uh, I would very much recommend you to subscribe to Bankless and all their podcasts and the Digital Asset podcast, of course. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, no, but but Bankless really has a great portfolio of different podcasts, I would say. And uncorrelated
2: then... ones. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, And then if you're interested more in the market side, you know, there are some great streamers. It's it's become a huge trend Mm. for different macro people and Twitter, like it traders to stream and talk about their views on the markets, Mm. which is kind of a similar format to a podcast, but it's more so a presentation where they go through data. So, I mean, you guys can actually just reach out to me and I'll send you the links to those.
2: Yeah, yeah, I will link
0: everything in the
2: description as, as I stated. yeah yeah Yeah. um to get in contact
0: with
1: vincent and norn uh check out the description for the links yeah just to make that clear for the listener and i guess the final question the most important one most important one if you could leave the listener with just one statement quote or idea that you find meaning meaningful
0: and valuable what would that be i mean just fucking try it like if (laughs) there's this one thought like that you had so many times and you're like damn, i should do this thing just go and do it try to make an mvp or just try the smallest iteration not web3 related at all just anything just just try it you know you won't regret it doesn't matter what other people think it really doesn't matter in
2: the end just fucking do it yeah, i love that i love that finish man that's it uh, couldn't it couldn't be more clear nor inspirational <laughs> thank <laughs> you so much for this vincent it was a pleasure and uh i really hope you do, i wish you all good luck at norn and we're gonna continue to support you with uh definitely. whatever resources we have
1: yeah <laughs>
0: and,
2: thank uh, you guys thank you guys it was a pleasure being on the show and uh looking
0: forward to a follow-up episode in a year or so yeah definitely yes.
1: Disclosure. Some Digital Assets Society members are invested in certain tokens, coins, or NFTs which may have been spoken about during this episode. These statements are intended to disclose any conflict of interest and should not be misconstrued as a recommendation to purchase any coin, token, or NFT. This content is informational purposes only, and you should not make the investment decision based solely on it. This is not investment advice. Always do your own research. If you want more from Digital Assets, visit our website or Medium, as well as our social medias, all linked in the description.